Welcome to the Waves Ministry Podcast, where we equip girls in knowing their identity and calling. I'm your host, Caroline Hare, the founder of Waves Girls Conference. It's a joy to bring some encouraging conversations, messages, and coaching that will give girls tools for life and ministry. We believe that you can start making waves for Christ in your home, community, and world today. We have some amazing guests that are doing just that. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to ask that you would leave a five-star review and share this episode with at least one friend that you think might like it or need it. I'd also love to connect with you on Instagram, so find me at Caroline Hare or at Waves Girls Conference. Okay, let's get on with our conversation. Hey, 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 girls. Hey, guys, this is my friend, Tony Collier. Gosh, I'm so excited. Are you excited? I'm just like laughing, silent screaming. I don't know what's going on. I'm excited. Grateful to be here. Yeah, girls, we are on season six of our Waves Ministry podcast. And um, this whole year, our vision for the year is just about being more than, that you're more than just the things that you put your identity in, um, more than your calling, that there are so many more parts to you than just the number on the scale or or whatever that thing is, um, that you are a true daughter of the King. And so today I have invited a, a new friend, I would say, um, to be a part of the pod and uh, we actually got to meet in November back a few months ago with our friend Holly Myers up in North Carolina. Um, we were both speaking at a conference up there. And so we just kind of intersected paths. If you don't know Tony, mm-hmm. man, she is a boss chick. <laughs> she is so much fun, but she's a boss. Um, she, um, she has her own ministry um, called Broken Crayon Still Color, and her story with that and with her daughter is just beautiful to hear. She has an amazing testimony, um, but then her and her husband, a pastor, uh, Hillsong Atlanta Church, and I am just, I'm, she does so many things. Like, I don't know how you do it all, but I know it is by God's grace, and so I am just so thankful for you and for your testimony. So welcome, Tony. Yay. All the things, all the things, all the time. That's how I do it. I just do them all. Um, so I'm <laughs> is there excited. Anything I left, tell me, is there anything I left out? Like what pieces did I leave out? Yeah. Oh man, gosh. Um, so I'm wrapping up seminary. Woo! So uh, I graduate. Yeah. In a few months and um, my seminary degree, master's degree in biblical and theological studies. So ready to be done. Let me just Girl. say that publicly. Okay. <laughs> Um, and it's been great. I mean, like we've been balancing super well. My husband is really spearheading and leading the church. Sometimes I feel like I'm just like so disconnected from it because I'm on the road so much. So I'm on a women's yeah. tour right now doing salvation. I'm speaking, I'm traveling and all the things we're working on our second devotional with broken crayons. So cool. I just turned in my manuscript for my book Yay. coming out in the fall. So that's kind of crazy. And yeah, man, I just get to kind of pursue ministry and and do all the things. Yeah. And I didn't mention this, but we were just talking. She has a sweet baby bump right now. I do have a baby bump. I do have a baby bump. (laughs) A little boy. Yes, that's exciting. So, okay, so I got to know, uh, last week I was on a road trip. Um, I had a ministry trip where I was driving uh, for, for part of the trip. And um, I love to learn what other people like to listen to on, in the car on a road oh. trip. And so I want to know from you, like when you are needing to get like pumped, amped in the car, you're like, okay, we're on hour six. I need some energy. Like what is your go-to road trip music oh, or good. song? 
It's a lot, man. So I'm an Adele fan. I'm just going to say that publicly. I really, I don't know. I, even though the songs are so slow, I just, there's a spirit, spiritual like revving that she does yeah. that just revs me up. So I don't know what that is, but it's probably because I'm belting out these songs so loud, <laughs> losing my voice, all the things, turning red. Um, so that's one. I really do. Um, I'm a mom. And so as much as I hate to admit it, I have a seven-year-old and we be jamming out to the trolls, um, <laughs> little albums. Can we just I be just honest? Listen, Canto? Can we be real Vera? about it? Oh my goodness. I just, I mean, I be going in with them Disney songs. Let me just be real about it. We have Disney playlists, trolls playlists, the ugly doll sing, sing has a, oh. <laughs> and all their songs are so upbeat and fun. So I do listen to a lot of that. You're like, I just want to be honest. I'm all in. I'm all in. That's great. That's a great. Yes. I'm on a party bus on Tuesdays and I feel <gasps> like, yeah, yes, I know. I, I ride a party bus to our middle school and high school to pick up students for our student ministry. And I mean, the trolls soundtrack was like, they're, I tried to tell the people yesterday. they sleeping. It was like, that's all they wanted. And they were all whipping no. their hair. And I was like, you do you. That's right. <laughs> you do you. I'm telling you, it's our go-to. It's Liddy. Awesome. That's so great. Okay. So as I was saying a few minutes ago, our vision for this year is just that, you know, we're more than just a conference. We're more than just a podcast. Like we're, we're, and, and even like what we as girls find ourselves mm -hmm. uh, just valuing and who we are. Like so many times I, I, we can get caught up in our identity being these things. And it's like, you're, but you're more than a youth pastor. You're more than yeah. these other things. But I have to ask you, you know, if you had to fill in the blank, I'm more than a blank. Um, what would you fill in that blank with? Oh, that's really, really good. This is going to be hard maybe for some people to digest. But I think the thing that I always need to hear is that I'm more than a leader because I've been labeled a leader so long. Like, you know, you either extroverted, wild, yeah. out of your freaking mind, girl, all the time. Mm -hmm. My friends used to call me a Teletubby because I was just bopping around everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, like you're yeah. always the captain. You're always in the all the things. And that really like attacked my identity very early on. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was, you know, pride says I have to be the loudest in the room. I have to be right. the one with all the ideas. Of course, I can't just sit back and let things flow and God move. And so, yeah, I think I'm just more than a leader, more than someone who's got to lead and speak up and do the things that I could really just be and not do. And so, yes. yeah. Well, I, I mean, because we get in these modes where we start trying to strive and live up to that expectation that it's like, every, yep. just because everybody turns and looks at you in the room because you're a leader doesn't mean that you have yep. to step up and lead, right? 100%. That is awesome. So when have you tried though? Like when have you got caught, gotten caught up in that kind of cycle for yourself mm -hmm. where you're like, suddenly you were finding your, your own identity in that, um, as well as had others try to kind of put that expectation on you. Oh, so when good. has that happened for you? Yeah. I'm going to say it was for the first 25 years of my life. <laughs> um, let's just, we're just going to go with a whole yes. couple of days there. Um, anyways, it was a little... I had three older brothers. We were a blended family. My mom got very sick when I was in the third grade and had a massive stroke and was paralyzed on her mm -hmm. left side. And my dad was working full time, trying to provide for us, also very, very just stressed out and verbally abusive. And, and so when my brothers 
went to their mom's houses and kind of broke up the family dynamic, I kind of became like the mom of the house. I took care of my mom. I fed her. I cleaned her. I made sure she went to doctor's appointments. And, and that just kind of cultivated this little performer's heart in me. Right. And so at 12 and 13, I surely was talking back. I was an adult. I knew who I was. It trickled over into a lot of insecurity and validation issues from my dad. So Wow. Straight up at 13, lost my virginity at 14, started throwing alcohol back, smoking right. weed, partying, all the things. And and I was kind of living like this double life because I really wanted to make my dad finally say, I'm proud of you. Finally say, I right. see you just for you, even if you didn't do another thing. And so was in all the organizations. I mean, mm-hmm. cheerleading, step team, tried volleyball, sucked at that, tried swimming, almost drowned. We would have been friends, I feel like. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. All these things. And that's 16, le- graduated high school in three years, rushed through, put wow. myself through college. Graduated college at 19, thought that it was time for me to get married at 19, girl. I was like, bye, not going to law school no more. I'm about to become an adult out here. And it was just this looming reach for, I've got to be a leader. I've got to move quickly. I've got to have it all together. And ended up getting married, toxic marriage, super hard, doors ripped off the hinges, holes punched in the walls, had a little girl super young. And I hit a freaking wall. Like, You're like no. and it was like, man, I, yeah, I was like, boom. And at 25, it dawned on me that I had lived a life of trauma, abuse and thriving, like, or trying to thrive, but really surviving right. and striving. And so it was tough, man. And I, I remember that shift. I remember the shift of, I'm not going to show up on social media and be fake out here anymore. I'm not about to just be posting like everything's fine. Like it is time for me to do some deep work. Um, and that's kind of when that shift happened. But the first 25 years of my life was all of that. <laughs> well, and it sounds like for, from what I was hearing from you, like there's a lot of expectations that whenever people, uh, whenever you start to own that identity and then other people start to kind of place that on you, there's, mm-hmm. there are sometimes spoken and unspoken expectations yeah. that are put on you. Like you were talking yeah. about like taking care of family and taking them to the doctor and these kind of things. Yep. What were some of those unspoken expectations that you kind of felt the weight of that you were like, Ooh, I'm living in this. I don't know how to get out of it. Mm, That's really good. I think with my mom specifically, it was that looming question that nobody asked and it was who else is going to do it? Who else is going to keep her alive? Right. Right. And I think that was the thing. No one, you know, said, Hey, you 10 year olds, you 12 year olds start driving, you 10 year old, make sure your mom's has, has her medicines. There just wasn't anybody. And I think the absence of safe community, the absence of leadership from a parent that can actually lead in safe environments, you just, you just step into that space, especially as a kid. I also think that Again, it goes back to the glares in the room of, oh, who's going to be the captain? Who's going to lead? And everyone just kind of silently looks at you, you know, like, (laughs) you're like, I guess I am. (laughs) I am the leader. And then, and then it gets attached to your identity. Then people create those expectations around you. And then you act in that even without the looks and without being asked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you start to make that shift for yourself that you, like, what was the like final straw or the moment that you had that clarity that it was like, Oh, I'm more than just a leader here. Yeah. When is that? Man, I think it's, it was a combination of awareness and safe community. 
So when you become aware of your inadequacies and of those small little voices and those little lies, for me at 25, it was just like, who's demanding this of you? Like who's actually asking you to strive in this way? And what is God saying about that? And I re- it, it took me a while to come to the realization, but through counseling and through going to spiritual encounters and really right. learning to hear the voice of God, it became so clear that I had created all these expectations from all of my experiences. And, and the voice of God helped me to realize, like, if you didn't accomplish another thing, if you didn't lead another thing, I would love you the same. And that was really hard because my earthly father was not that way. It was like, you do have to accomplish. And even when you accomplish, you may not actually get love and nurturing. Right. And, and so that was really hard. And I think it was then, I think it was that shift. And I think it was an awareness of, no, I'm actually like, uh, I'm made in God's image and I'm a daughter of the most high. And then it was safe community. You got to find the people that just yeah. let you be and don't actually expect you to do. And as a three on the Enneagram, I'm a doer as a, yeah. I have a two wing. I want to help. And m- my greatest and most safest environments are people that know that that's my personality, know that I come from a, a place where a lot of people took so much from me and, and just, I mean, suck me dry. Right. Okay. And knowing that and being aware of that and almost like safeguarding me from my own self and my own tendencies right. and my own wounds. And I have friends that, you know, will even say something like, Hey, we're going out to eat, but I'm paying. Okay. And I'm going to pick the place. Okay. And that's your way of saying, I know that you're going to want to do it. I know that you've only had friends that have expected that from you. I don't expect that from you. Really. I just want you to show up, Tony. And that changed the game for me a lot. That's really, really good. You know, I think that self-awareness and community is such a, I mean, it's a vital part of, I think, growing Mm -hmm. in our faith and growing in our identity because even stepping out to let that community speak in is a step of faith sometimes. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard. But I think about that, like that process for you of breaking free uh, from your identity being in being a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, what was that process like as you shifted from that identity being a leader to stepping into understanding, like, I'm a child of God first. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, when did that yeah. part of it click? Yeah. I think it was at a spiritual encounter. I, there was a moment where they had asked us to identify our deepest lie. Like, mm-hmm. what is the thing that you've just been toting around in your little satchel all your life that has been keeping yeah. you in this cycle of, of feeling like you have to really strive for the rest of your life? And I remember going up to like the little whiteboard on the stage and I was like, I am unsafe. I'm unprote- mm-hmm. slash unprotected. And it went all the way back to eight-year-old Tony who had watched her mom had a stroke and lose oxygen and relearn how to walk and all the things. And what had happened in that moment was that when you do start to name the very thing that broke you, it it honestly has very little power over you. And I remember taking that lie to God for the first time and saying, okay, this is it. Like, I don't feel safe. I don't feel protected. I feel like I got to be one step ahead of everybody. And I feel like for all the people in my life, I got to take care of them Yeah. because maybe if I take care of them enough, they'll take care of me because I'm not safe any other way. What do you say to that? And I remember having this incredibly pivotal moment with God 
um, where I, I mean, it's a long story, but I essentially, someone prophesied to me and told me to read Psalm 91 Uh. and I read it in the moment and it didn't mean anything at all to me. And I was like, that's really weird. I went on the spiritual encounter, discovered this lie and just started just getting signed now and just started getting signs from God about his protection and the safety. And I get back home and I have quiet time and I ask God what scripture should I read? And he brings Psalm 91 to my remembrance and I go back to it and I am on my pleather Ikea couch. We ping. (laughs) It talks all about lions raving against you Mm -hmm. and trying to come after you. And God's just sending angel armies to protect you. And not only is he protecting you, but he wants you get wants to give you a long drink of salvation and throw you a party. And I just, that was the moment. And that moment was perfectly orchestrated by a father that was always available, but never pursued by me. Mm. And I finally pursued him and I, it's just changed my life. Changed my life. I love that. I love that. Well, for you, like now today, now that you know those things and you've, you have that scripture that you probably, I would assume you go back to it. Oh yeah. I have a little (laughs) frame within everything. It's crazy. That's awesome. Like, what are some of the takeaways like for you that have helped you kind of stay grounded whenever you start to mm-hmm. waver in that department? That's like, good. what are some of the takeaways that you kind of hold on to that keep you focused on, wait a minute, yeah. my identity is in, in alignment with God? Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, I think the way that you even ask the question gives us like a sneak peek into the answer. And it's just garbage. Like, can we, I mean, let's just be real about it. Okay. I have been partying. I have been partying since I was 13, twerking in the club, living it up. Like, that's just my MO. I'm a little, I'm just a little wild. Okay. (laughs) And for me, what that means and that self-awareness of like, I'm, I have an addictive personality. I have struggled with chronic insecurity. I am a natural people pleaser. Like, it's very easy for me to hop off the salvation bus. It is. And the truth in that helps me to build guardrails around my life that keep me focused on where I'm going. I I need like, I mean, if you, if you bowl, it's just those little like bumper thingamajiggers. Uh Like that's what I have in my life. And what that looks like practically is I have a replenishment cycle. So I need to get out in nature and experience what God created. If I'm up in the house, I'm, it's crazy. I'm on my phone. I'm getting disconnected from the creator. So for me, once a week, I'm outside doing something. I got myself a little bike. I'd be flipping around. It's great. The second thing is like, as cliche and churchy as this may sound, like I, I like, I have to spend time with God. Like the voices that come into my heart and my head from my past are very strong. Like I can, you know, I, I could just be real about that. The temptations that come up, they're very strong. And so I, I freaking better be pursuing the voice of God to drown those out. Because if not, next thing you know, I didn't tripped in a puddle and I drowned somewhere. I'm doing drugs again. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and so for me, it's about consistency. It's about guardrails. It's about having friends that know me deeply, know what I struggle with, right. that I can text and say, Hey, I'm getting a little temptation here. It's about knowing that I can't be in a room alone with my brother because he does drugs and I'm probably going to do him too. Cause I'm a little, I get right. a little thing. Let me just hit it a little bit. Like, right. It's, it's my guardrails. And I think what, what happens naturally is that we think we are bigger than our temptations are bigger than our backsliding tendencies are bigger than the effects of social media. Right. And we're not. So we have mm-hmm. to put these guardrails in place so that we can remain consistent and keep our eyes focused on God. And that's, that's, that's just what's worked for me. 
That is amazing. That is awesome. Yeah. For me. Thank you. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's girls, like, as I think about what she's saying about those guardrails, I mean, it's like, we have to, I mean, it says in the scriptures, there's, you know, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And it's yeah. like, you want to make sure you have those guardrails, which are people of faith, um, yep. and staying in community and people can look at you and be like, you're crazy sticking out. <laughs> you know, you need to, to tuck, tuck that it back in, in. Sweet girl. Yeah. Tuck it in, sweet girl. Yeah. Okay. I know. And, and I think you're right. Staying connected with, with others and connected with God is like the two, mm-hmm. the two best ways to do do that. Um, so Tony, I want to say thank you for coming on the podcast, but before we disconnect, I do want to know, like, how can the girls follow you? How can they keep up with you and what's going on in your world? Yeah. I typically point everyone to our women's organization, Broken Crowns, because that's, I mean, that's where the good stuff is. I'm only one person. I don't have all the answers. I'm just out here doing the best I can to pursue Lord, the Lord and do my thing. Okay. But I do get to use my voice a lot within our women's organization. And so broken crayons on all the things we have the broken crayons collective, which is a private Facebook group where women are pouring their hearts out. We're doing prayer calls, all the things. And of course we have our Instagram and all that stuff. So that is where. Very cool. Thank you so much, Tony, for coming on. Yay. Thank you. Okay, girls. Well, we have a few more episodes in this season of our podcast and we will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Waves Ministry Podcast. For more information about our ministry, check out our website, wavesgirlsconference.com, and our social media at Waves Girls Conference. Today, we hope you start making waves in your home, community, and world.